Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey there, welcome to ATL on 29, the podcast that looks at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. I'm here today with Tyler Jones, and today was media day. So the Hawks were in town, they were chatty, everybody's happy and undefeated, and everybody is optimistic on media day. So let's be optimistic. (laughs) We're back. You ready to do this? It's been too long. Yeah, 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 yeah. Man, it's... Not only has it been too long since I've been on the pod, uh, but it's been too long since, you know, anything interesting or exciting happened with basketball until, of course, you know, Jimmy Butler came crashing in our lives. Thank good, You know, thank God for disgruntled NBA superstars because what would we, like... It just doesn't happen in the NFL, right? It's like, oh, you've got a non-guaranteed contract, we cut you, goodbye. Well, well, and there's no drama. Well, 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 here's the thing. I... I I don't care about anything that's going on. Like, I've given up all football allegiances. So it's it's been a real dead period for for your boy right here. Because I've had nothing. Like, I've had nothing to look at or talk about that sports-related until, except for Atlanta United. And they went on, you know, World Cup came. And then, like, after World Cup, you know, United, I think there was, they had a break in the season, NLS for whatever reason, but. You know, United season, the playoffs are about to start fairly soon, so that's picking up. Manchester City, my boys are back, so I'm happy about that. That's the only football I care about. Uh, shout out to the Sky Blues. Um, but, like, outside of that, I've been watching, like, uh, Netflix. Fighting game turn. No, nah, no. Nah, nah. Yeah, Netflix, uh, you know, Crunchyroll, Funimation, all that good stuff. And then fighting game tournaments that I can catch on Twitch just because I need that competitive itch, but we got basketball back. That's my love. All right. I'm so happy um, that we get to talk about everybody being hurt to start the season for some reason. <laughs> we get to talk about um, get to, we get to talk about how, you know, Vince Carter's last season this may be his last season. I, I don't. We don't know that, but I imagine it is. And yeah, it's gonna be you know good times. Good times. Yeah, the the forty one year old is the healthy hawk. Young forty one. Yeah, he knows how to pace good for himself. Him. <laughs> um. So, okay, I was talking to Dwayne Dedman today, and media days being media days, they get asked a lot of. Non-basketball questions, things that have nothing to do with basketball. And depending on the year or, I don't know, it's different types of people. But today it was a food person and they asked him what kind of ice cream he liked. And he came back with cookies and cream. Fine. I, I, you know, I'm all for that. I'm for anything where it's like something crunchy in the ice cream. So cookies and cream works. I usually, you know, eat the ones with nuts and, and that. And then he took it a couple of steps further. He said... First, he's like, you know, microwave it a little bit to get it soft. It, that's that's foreign to me. Is that something you would do? Um, no, but does he? Well, I got to hear the whole story. Why why does he do that? I I guess he just likes his ice cream a little softer than than mm. rock hard frozen solids. So he recommended microwaving it, and then I imagine it would get even softer when he did his second recommendation, which was. To add grape soda to it. 
Like what kind of flavor are you talking about? You talking about like cookies and cream? I'm talking, you talking about like vanilla chocolate and you know what I'm saying? So I know anything, anything. I'm a cookies, I'm a and, cookies cream and cream type of guy. Yeah, yeah, cookies and cream. Yeah, all right, I'm all right. the cookies and cream way. Put okay. it in the microwave, let it soften up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Never so serious, tried that. bro. I'm trying. You got some hard. You know what I'm saying? Put it in the microwave, let it soften up a little bit, bro. All right, like okay. Fire. Sounds good. If you're really trying to get crazy, throw a little grape soda in. What type of? What type of? <laughs> Basketball, I guess he can eat whatever the hell he wants, so it's whatever. But like, I mean, maybe that tastes good. I don't know. I, I don't know. And the yeah, thing about Deadman is he's always just like nonstop, like pulling your leg. I think he was being serious when he was talking about the food. But like at one point today, like you know, everybody has like an assigned chair with a nameplate on it, and you're supposed to sit there. And he sat in John Collins's seat before john got there and did three minutes pretending he was john collins so you know it's yeah, i can't 100 percent be sure i've 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 never heard of somebody putting soda in ice cream now if somebody on twitter who who's listening to this tweet us if you do this and tell us how it tastes because i will never try this but i i do believe uh him microwaving the ice cream i can see that if you know for whatever reason like it's too like because you know sometimes the ice cream's been in the freezer, it's, like, super frozen. It's really hard, and, like, you can't really scoop it out. So, right. like, I could see, like, putting it in the microwave for, like, five seconds or so just to, like, get it so you can get that nice ice cream-like texture. But grape soda, nah, he's... Does anybody even drink grape soda anymore? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't even believe him on that front. So, nah, he's, he's BSing, y'all. All right. I'll bring it up in a couple of months and like if he, you know, I'm sure it'll be gone from his memory and then he'll, if he, you know, depending on how he looks at me, I'll, I'll know whether he was telling the truth or not. So, uh, he, actually, he, go ahead. Just want Dwayne for a second. Did anybody ask him um, about his contract? You know, it, it is a contract year and he opted in, which was, you know, kind of surprising. Uh, did, did did he give any insight onto what he looks to be uh look on that one or no like i don't i don't know what it is maybe it's his personality but like he was the one that got the most lifestyle non-basketball questions of anybody that was there i think i was the only one asking him like basketball questions and and that one Mm -hmm. slipped (laughs) that one slipped he has too much of a personality that's the problem so we can't really yeah uh, but he did tell us about his injuries here's here's what he said about uh about his ankle and so health-wise, like, how long do you project? Uh, Are they giving you any kind of timetables or anything? Like reevaluation tomorrow. Reevaluation tomorrow? Put a pin on the wall. Was it something where it was, like, a moment that it happened in training, or was it, like, a gradual thing where you're home at night and thinking, oh, this doesn't feel right? No, we, was, we were working out here. I rolled it, and then I kind of just kept playing on it. And then I woke up the next day, and it was swollen. I was like, we got to get this looked at. And then, awesome. That's what it was. Thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. Still shooting the threes, right? Oh, okay. If you look, I got a rock right here. Excellent. You know, he's, he sounded pretty optimistic about it. He said he's going to get it reevaluated tomorrow. Um, you know, what do you think are the different contingency plans here? If he's healthy, is he the starting center? Is it Alex Len? And, you know, if he's not healthy... What does the center rotation look like, especially if Amari Spellman is also not healthy? Uh, well, if he's healthy, I imagine he's a starter. Okay. Uh, I don't think that's really. I don't like. I like Alex Lynn, but I think Dwayne Devin is just an all-around better basketball player than Alex Lynn is right now. Right. But uh, we we can see it's. Uh, and if he's not healthy, then Alex Lynn just uh, soups up those minutes. And then, uh, I don't know, it's a good question because, you know, after Alex Lynn, it's, you know, you play John Collins at center, there's no Spellman, then I guess you got to play um, Miles Plumley. But uh, if you if anybody follows me on Twitter, you know I'm not that big of a fan of Miles Plumley game, even at, you know, him – just him in general. Um, so hopefully it doesn't come to that, but I don't know. It didn't sound too serious. Uh, um, 
And it sounds like, you know, he should be good to go. Probably play in some preseason games. I don't think it, it's that big of a deal. But, you know, it kind of does suck that the bigger injuries, Amari Spellman is hurt. And I can, I can believe that, especially, you know, with him trying to even lose more weight. It's just it's going to be tough for him to get his body where it needs to be. Um, you know, it's he, – he, I mean, we said it before, but, like, he, he was like – he was 300 pounds roughly three years ago. Right. So, it like, that – losing losing a lot of weight like that, it just, it's going to have a – it's just going to have an impact on your, your bone structure and your body. So, he's probably just going to have to, you know, take it one day at a time and ho- hopefully get healthy and continue to get back on the right path. So, um, it's unfortunate that he's hurt, though, to start the season because you would like to see him play alongside more NBA talent. Maybe he can uh, show a little bit more than what he showed at summer league, which was ultimately fine for the 30th pick in the draft. But you know, I you know you want all your uh, your rookies to flash you know starter level talent. You know, if they come from if they're drafting the first round, you always want at least that promise. But it. It's just a wait and see with him. So hopefully Spellman can get healthy. But uh, yeah, hopefully um, Desmond is ready to go by the beginning of the season because I don't want to see any miles from me. Uh, and I, and so what's going on? What's going on with Cole Aldridge? What happened with him? He he, he gone? He, he left? I mean, Vivlemore said that he's going to be there tomorrow, but um, you know, he was not there for media day. Um, I know that, uh, you know, if you, if you look, the, there, there are some stat boards, you know, if you look at the, the back end of the practice gym, there's some motivational marker boards, whiteboards in the back where, you know, they do lists of names and there's another one where they put like, uh, like the, the gym records for like, who did the fastest shuttle run, who did the best in a shooting drill you know, who did the best in this drill and that drill. And, you know, one of the names up on the board was CJ Anderson from UMass. So I don't, you know, maybe Aldrich is, you know, he's the one that's officially on the camp roster, but I don't think it's necessarily something that, that can't change if, if Aldrich, you know, gets an offer and goes somewhere to Europe or something like that, that, that you can't add a name once somebody leaves. I think, I think that's still a possibility. So uh, okay. It's interesting. I don't think. I mean, there's still 15 guaranteed contracts, so it's it's really hard to see, uh, you know, any of the other three, whether it be Cole Aldrich or uh, Thomas, Robinson. Thomas Robinson. I mean, he, he probably has the best chance. Yeah, Thomas Robinson. I, 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 like I like Tyler Dorsey, but I can see them just. Bring it like especially if there's injuries in the front court, um, bring me on Thomas Robinson because he's kind of like his last season with the Lakers, he was actually decent. Um, you know, he, he he'll never live up to his draft draft position, but he he was a good rotation player for the Lakers at on, on a scrappy Laker team two years ago, and his his numbers indicate that he was making some some improvements to his game, and you know he has an NBA skill in that he's a great rebounder. And he's athletic, and I think uh, you know that there may be some some upside with him. Uh, and so I could I could I could see Thomas Robinson making this roster, um, but so you know I, I talked to both of them today, and I kind of want to get get around to both of them. But uh, you know, if it comes down to you know cutting a wing. Uh, you know, you think that that Tyler Dorsey would be more in jeopardy than DeAndre Bembry? Yeah, they. I mean, even they probably have just more invested in Bembry. I know Schlank didn't draft him.
you know, that game good defensively. So it, it just it, it wait wait wait. You said Tyler where, Dorsley's not athletic. Uh, well, what to what he needs to be? Yeah, I don't I don't consider him that good of an athlete. Like for his measurement, mm-hmm. he's got to be. He, he he's got to be a Bradley Beal caliber athlete. He's not. It's funny that because like that. he's like, it's like his for me his athleticism translates so much better for rebounding than it does for defense. Like if you watch him rebound, he uses like all of his athleticism in that skill. But I don't know if it's like a mental thing or what. But when it comes to defense, it's it's not the same. Or maybe I mean, it's just, just a strength he, he thing versus the, a quickness he, he, thing. He doesn't have the he, he doesn't have the foot speed or the. It's just the lateral quickness that he needs in order to be successful defensively. I just don't think it's there for him. Uh, you know, he's a good, he's a great athlete in terms of you know, regular, you know, us regular schmoes over oh, here. But you know, but but to what to what the the caliber athlete he needs to be in order to be good defensively, and very exclusively putting on that, and being a great rebounder is. One of the oddest gifts that he has is I, you know, <laughs> rebounding is a, it's a talent and he's got he's definitely got a talent for it. But you know, I, I'd I'd much rather he be able to move his feet a lot better. And I I don't know if he can improve on that athletic like I don't know if you can improve your lateral quickness to the point to to where he needs to be. Um, and Bembry Bembry's just Bembry's just more talented. Like he's just functionally. There's a reason why he went in the first round of the draft. Uh, and he's just, um, you know, he's just a more talented basketball player. And, and you know, I, the Hawks, while it's a new regime, they, as a franchise, they've invested more into him, whereas, you know, Dorsey's contract is up. And they could, like, they, you could probably even cut Dorsey and then sign him again. Uh in a year because he'll probably be somewhere in Europe if you really want him back. Like, I don't, I just don't feel like, I, I just don't feel like Dorothy has, unless he shows stuff in camp, like this, this camp is really important for the both of them, but sure. You know, at, at face value, Ben is just like, to me, he's just better. Um, and so if it's going to come down to who's the best, better basketball player and who even has more, most upside it's probably Ben even though he's older. Uh, okay. But so you know, we'll see. There's, there's, there, it's entirely possible Thomas Robinson doesn't even make the roster. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so it, it just gonna. But you know, I, I when I was listening to um, Lloyd Pierce and Travis Swank media day on Thursday, I did note that somebody. I, I don't know. If Pierce said this during the 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 initial. Mm-hmm. live stream or somewhere else but he he did praise thomas robinson a, a, a little bit on his you know energy level energy level and his effort and his and his work rate so yeah and he's had him before know, Tom, yeah and thomas like thomas robinson's a workout you know main a maniac and he, sure. he's that he's that high energy guy that you know nba teams need through an 82 season grind just to throw throw a dude who's just gonna fight his butt off um, and I mean, the thing with the, 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 the biggest issue with Dorsey is that the Hawks just drafted his replacement. Like, I mean, they just drafted, uh, Kevin Herter. And so it's just, okay. you know, it's, it's going to be tough for Dorsey. That's so hopefully, so, hopefully he can show some things, um, you know, in training cap to, you know, potentially make a roster and make, and get some playing time. Cause I, you know, I think he's good, but. So one of the things I was kicking around today was, you know, asking both of them because they seemed like the likely candidates. Uh, you know, again, with Dorsey and with Bembry, you've got two point guards on the roster among the regular 15, Trey Young, Jeremy Lin. You know, if it comes down to finding a third point guard, you know, whether one of them's, you know, obviously I don't think you can realistically expect, you know, Jeremy Lin and Trey Young to play 82 games. You're going to need another backup point guard at some point along the way. You know, if you had to pick one of those two to be your backup point guard, who are you looking at? Bembry. I, I don't even think. I don't, I don't even think about it. Dorsey. Dorsey's a terrible passer. It's not. 
Yeah, he, yeah. I mean, he, he, maybe it's, it's like a vision thing. Like he doesn't really see. Yeah, he. Yeah, he's just not. He he's a scorer, and that's really all you want him doing. You don't really want to force him to do something that he can't do. And like when I don't know, he's just very limited with the ball in his hands relative to what somebody his size needs to be. Whereas Bembry's more of a cerebral basketball player granted he didn't really show that all that much last season while being hurt um but you know i trust Bembry with with the ball in his hands more than than dorsey um moving off of them for a bit you talked with did you how about how does john combs feel about you know the games he's made this season is he uh like, just his general, because we haven't really touched on him, and I feel like he's probably, like, to me, he's probably the best basketball player on the team. Um, like, how, how is he feeling heading into this season? Is he optimistic? Like, does he have any big goals, like make the all-star team or win a dunk contest or something? What's, what's <laughs> going on with John? Well, <laughs> specifically on the dunk contest, he was he said something to the effect of, you know, we'll see how I feel, you know, more of like a health thing. You know, he said it would be too probably too hard of an honor to turn down under any circumstance, but I don't think he wanted to like necessarily commit commit. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, you know, one of the things that he kind of hit on a few times, you know, in various questions, coming back to it, you know, he was talking about you know how much work he'd put in the summer and how excited he was to show it off, but then he said. Uh, a couple of times, something to the effect of, you know, I want to live up to the good things that people are saying about me. You know, the things that the media were saying about him. He he's, he feels like there's high expectations, but that he wants to live up to it. You know, he, he feels like there's a good vibe out there about him, and he wants to kind of back it up and show that he lives up to that billing. That's good. Um I mean, he wasn't yeah. super specific, uh, you know, in terms of like basketball skills. It was kind of, you know, generic. He said that he does want to kind of expand his his three point game. You know, it, obviously, it grew over the course of last season, where he by the end of it he looked very comfortable shooting the corner threes, and now he's he feels like you know he could be able to shoot them wherever on pick and pops and whatnot. Um, when I talked to Bembry about the point guards, he's like, yeah, we, we could have John Collins be the point guard. I guess he, he feels confident. <laughs> I think he was kidding, but he didn't really like break out into a full throated like, ha ha. But I mean, I just, I, you know, he knows that he has the ball skills to, to be a great player. So I think that's interesting. I, I hope so. Um, I think that's one thing I would like to see from John um, is more confidence with the ball in his hands in general. Um, even just going as far as, grabbing the rebound and pushing it himself. Uh, I think, I think that if he, if he can unlock that aspect of his athleticism um, and, and put it into the game, like I think that'll, that'll do wonders for him, just make him more dynamic basketball player. Uh, but we'll, we'll see with him, it, it, you know, to me, a big thing why I really like both Cherry Young and Jeremy Lin for John Collins specifically, is that, you know, they can, they will take as many pull-up threes as the defense will be, will be willing to give them. You know, mm-hmm. they, you know, they're going to take that. If they're open, they're going to shoot it, and if they're not open, they're going to. And if they do shoot it and they make it at a decent clip, they, they're going to draw in a lot of, a lot of help. And if they do that, John Collins is going to have free, free reign to the rim. We kind of saw a little bit of that in summer league. Um, when you know teams are trying to trap Trey Young, you know, thirty feet away from the basket, and I think, I think um, that's going to really help both um, John Collins and Torian Prince um, become, you know, big time focal points for the offense. You know, they were they were both of them were more support players last season, and you know, Bud had a five out system where. In theory, everybody's supposed to get equal share of the basketball, but in practice, because Dennis Schroeder just 
wasn't a good enough three-point shooter. It really had to be Dennis Schroeder with the ball in his hands all the time. Right. So with with better quality shooting, both of them should have uh, better opportunities to show the complete aspect of their game. Um, shout out to Brad Rowland. Over no, at, don't uh, shout out to Brad Rowland. Why are we shouting him That's out? That's my boy. That's <laughs> my boy. That's my boy. I'm always going to shout him out. Doesn't matter. Uh, but, um, you know, he, 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 uh, he talked with Torian and I found it interesting that Torian wants to be like, he wants to continue the growth that he, he feels he showed the last two months of the season when Dennis went down he basically became the, both the lead ball handler, the lead scorer, and basically the lead guy of the Hawks. And he, you know, he had some great performances, you know, a couple 38 point games. That's, you know, that's not nothing. And, um, you know, to me with him, with both, with a lot of these dudes, I just want really with Torian, he really showed um, an ability to make pull up three pointers. And if he can continue that and just jack up a bunch of threes, I'm like, he can shoot as many threes as he wants in the game. Like I have no problem with that. Yeah. His numbers. If you, if you break it out for like what he was doing after the all-star break, like the only, I think the only player in the NBA who like was, taking as many threes and making as many threes as Torian was, was like James Harden. And that was it. Maybe it was James Harden and Damian Lillard, but it was like one or two all-star, you know, ridiculous shooters and, and Torian, like, cause that, that's how many he was taking and, you know, making it like a 40% clip. He had it at the end of the season. And it's, you know, it's such a small sample that there's going to be natural droughts and dry spells compared to when he's got it going. But, I mean, that kind of potential is there. That's that's it's not unreasonable to want to see more of it when he's shown that kind of talent. And like you say, it's it it might be helpful to be able to play without, you know, a, a subpar three point shooter like Schroeder. You know, as good as he was at other things, he wasn't great from three and so, you know, that like you said, that put limits, that put a harness on the offense at times and you know, whether it's Torian playing with a bunch of shooters or John Collins playing with a bunch of shooters, you know, I, I'm curious to see, you know, if you give John the ball at the top of the key and, you know, an open key because there are shooters all over, you know, what kind of isolation stuff can he can he do? Because he was doing that kind of stuff in summer league really well. I, I wanna I wanna talk about um both of those guys for a bit more. Um Tor- like Torian and John, um those last two months, I found like Cause they weren't like you looked at the numbers during the season. Like Torian Prince with anybody in the pick and roll was just terrible until sure. until those last two months where I, something clicked. Um, I mean, it also coincided with Dennis going out. But I really felt like Torian, like John Collins' screens for Torian Prince really opened up uh, Torian's game because you know team every you know at some point last season every team knew that you're just giving up two points if you didn't you know, really tagged uh, John with two guys. And so that really opened up Torian's uh, pull-up game. And he was getting great looks after basically every um, screen that John uh, sent his way. So I, I look for that to continue. Uh, and then I want, I want to talk more about John because, you know, in college, to me, his best skill was his scoring. He was an all-time great scorer at Wake Forest. If you look at it on a per-minute basis, like it was, he was unreal. Uh, he like it was. He had one of the his sophomore season ranks up there with what Kevin Durant and uh, Blake Griffin were doing. Uh, although you know about a decade ago or so, and you know to me, you know Bud Bud's a great guy, great coach, but I don't think he did a. To me, like I, I really don't feel that Bud did a great job of, of um, really pushing the strengths of his basketball players. I felt he was trying to fit them into his particular system instead of trying to build the system around the strength of the team. Uh, and you and I and I feel, you know, I feel on one end on defense, particularly like Torian is more of an instinctual basketball player than he is a read and react guy, and I, and I think he. He might have suffered a bit from that, and you know, because you know, Buzz' defensive scheme is kind of it's pretty complicated. Uh, right. So hopefully, if if the Hawks are going to do what Lloyd Pierce did, excuse me, sorry, 
what Lloyd Pierce did in, in Philly where the big is dropping back and um, you're basically one through four guys are just being athletes. I, I think that'll really help both Torin and John on, on defense, um, really just to be more, you know, just be, you know, use their length, use their athleticism more than, you know, necessarily what they were doing last season defensively. But offensively, you know, to me, I, I felt like Bud put John into a box where he was just a role guy. He basically, he basically had John do what he basically had John Collins replace Dwight Howard one for one, what he was doing two seasons ago, where he just had him set screens, roll to the rim, and you know, and that's it. And you know, he was great at at being a finisher, but you know, John John had like right. They, and this team wasn't ACC, flushed with with. God gifted passes talent, right? to throw him the lobs either. Th- that too, they didn't have the passing, and they also they weren't gifted with a natural score. And to me, I'm like John Collins is a score first, like before anything else. Like he, he was trying to, you know, I think it, you know ultimately it might help John in the long run. But he, he was kind of trying to have John be Dwight Howard mixed with a little bit of Al Horford as well, being the being a guy who just does dribble handoffs and all that good stuff. But I'm like, man, let John, let John shoot 15 times a game, like 17 times a game. That That's what, you know, good things will happen. He'll get to the free throw line more and he'll be a folk, like he'll drag, he'll drag the offensive focus more for the team. And I think, you know, just due to John Collins' ability just to get buckets um, efficiently as well, like he, he'd get to his spot. And he'll, uh, you know, he'll finish uh, with his right hand. You know, I think, um, I think John in particular will really help the rest of this team. And that they'll have a, if 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 this if this team um, plays like how I think they're going to play, I, I feel like John's going to ease the the load of really whoever is the starting point guard, whether it be Trey or Jeremy, and just due to the fact that you know he's going to be a problem especially if he's got spacing around him. And if he, uh, you know, he shows what he did at Wake Forest and what he did in summer league. Because, like, to me, I don't really even think he's expanding all his game that much. He's just shooting more threes. The rest of it, like, he was doing this in college. Like, you, you go watch sure. the tape. It wasn't just dunks. Like, no. it wasn't just dunks to what he was doing, based on what he did last season. It was right. a lot of – it wasn't even mid-ranges. It was just getting to his spots around the rim and finishing through contact, and I think, you know, if he has more freedom to put the ball on the floor, you know, he can show more and show that, hey, he can be a a, a number one option um, for an NBA basketball team. Now, maybe that, that team's ceiling is capped, but, you know, that's better than what the Hawks have had, you know, really. Yeah, this this is a season since, to experiment. Yeah, yeah, see, see who's going to be that guy, and I like that. Torian Prince is already day one being like, hey, I want to still be that lead guy. And I, and I, you know, that I feel like I find that to be healthy competition where it's like, okay, these guys are going to try to compete to see who's going to be the number one option um, for the regular season, whether it be Torian or John or even, you know, either Trey Young or Jerry Lynn, depending on how they, they show out um, during training camp and when the season starts. So I think, I think that's healthy for this team. And, you know, hopefully Lord Pierce will let them do what he did in summer league, which is just, you know, get shots up, you know. Okay, so what? You get your shot blocked, like, because, you know, you're going up against bigger guys. You give it to him the next play, and he'll make a, he'll make a better play. He'll make a better read, um, do what he needs to do instead of, you know, last season just, hey, you're open, dunk the ball. If you're not open, pass it to an open three-point shooter. Just the very robotic nature of John Collins' games last season. Hopefully, you know, he's be able to be more fluid and be more dynamic as a basketball player offensively. Um, so, so you we'll, we'll see. You said um, you know, you were talking before that you thought that a simplification of the defense and just kind of letting them be aggressive would be helpful. When Lloyd Pierce and Travis Schlenk, you know, met with the media Thursday, Pierce in particular said that you know one of the big trends in the league, and I'm I'm assuming it's going to be something that holds for him too, is that you know there's a lot more switching one through four. And so, you know, that's, I think you're going to see Collins playing a lot of four. And so that's, that's going to put them in a lot of switches, but you know, the Hawks obviously aren't going to be the only team doing that. That's pretty much a league wide trend. And so, 
you know, part of it's going to be Pierce, and but I think part of it's just going to be situational. You know, when teams switch on the Hawks, last season that was, okay, Dennis, back it up, do something one-on-one, you know, presumably against a big. Well, this season, I think, you know, some of that's going to be Trey Young, but not to the same volume that it was for Dennis, at least not in his rookie season. Maybe that'll grow over time. But I think this season, a lot of those one-on-one situations where you're just trying to beat a switch, you know, later in the shot clock, I think a lot of that is going to go to John, partly because of Lloyd, just partly because the situation, the you know, the changes in the roster, the change of taking Dennis and trading him to Oklahoma City. I think a lot of those one-on-one matchups will come to John. You know, it might be against a smaller player, but I could almost see him, you know, taking some of those switches and just kind of backing it out with a dribble head start, you know, a spin move into something that's almost like a post move by the time, you know, he he drives, spins. You know, this is the kind of stuff that he was doing in summer or, league. You know, it's not really maybe a just, plotting post up, but it's like a drive that kind of turns into a post up. If he does that against a smaller player, that's that should be easy money for him. I'm okay with him posting up. He was a great post oh, up sure. player. In a co- like, he was... But the like, thing about so it is, though, it was, the difference it was, between it was, it a plotting was, post up and that kind of play is that it's just that much harder to double. You know, he has the yeah, ball Mitch, skills to be able to do that. If he just kind of backs in, backs in, you know, a team can send help. But if he just kind of takes his guy, you know, backs up and tries to do it off the dribble and get quickly into that kind of a post-up situation, but really off of a drive, you can't really help on that as much. Yeah, and like, you know, that he was a great, like his his numbers were off the charts at Wake Forest post-up play, where you'd be like, well, it's just college. Yeah, that's true. But at the same time, you know, if he's posting up, like a post-up on switches is a great matchup. Like that's sure. a great, that's an easy way to get fouls. That's an easy way to get to the line and like, um, you know, get to the line or get get in position to maybe put the ball up on the glass and get an offensive rebound right away and finish through contact. Like that's just, you know, I hope I hope teams switch more on John Collins and I hope he he's able to you know use all all the tools he has in his toolbox. I you know I you know going back to what I said, I, I feel like Bud kind of kind of handcuffed him into what he 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 wanted what to what you know John could do as a basketball player and, you know, hopefully Lloyd loosens up the reins a bit and be like, Hey, we need a bucket. Why don't we do this one, four pick and roll, get the switch, put John, like either Trey Young pulls up for a three or John Collins put some little dude in the mix. Like, let's, <laughs> like, let's, right. let's simple, like, let's simplify the game of basketball a bit. I, I, you know, these, these are young guys. They're not going to make, they're not going to make the right reads, you know, every time down the floor, they're not, they're not going to really, you know, be so like this. It's just so much information to process. Where I feel like maybe they just dial dial out dial it down a bit and just play. You know, the game of, that they've been playing all like these guys have been playing basketball all their lives. Just you know, make it simpler for them. Like you know, and then and then add the complexities later. Uh, you know, as as they grow and as they get older and and they see more and they recognize more, so it's not so foreign. Where to me, I felt like Bo was kind of front loading them with a lot of information and it was just like it, it just it was just difficult to process everything that they had to do where now hey we're just going to switch one through four guys you know or or you know just we're, we're going to play we're going to play standard defense that you guys have been probably playing all your lives like it's not complete just do you know be where we think you're supposed to be in and you know make this read when it's there like real basic stuff um, you know, it's funny about, you know, it, you know, the NBA becoming such a switching league now because the first team I remember switching a bunch was the Atlanta Hawks back when, way back when Mike Woodson was coaching this team and Josh Smith, Al Horford, and Joe Johnson, Marvin Williams were just switching everything because Mike Bibby was the point guard. So, like, you know, switching isn't new, but I'm I'm glad it finally took on if those Hawks teams – uh I don't want to get too deep in it, but those Hawks teams were had better foundational coaching, like just 
a better structure about them. I feel like they would have been a lot better because they were pretty talented. But they were they were one of the early teams to start switching. So it's it's good to see the Hawks kind of get back to their roots um, a bit, uh, so to speak. At least for me, you know, being relatively young out here in the game. But um, you know, it's it's fun. It's exciting. So it's it's new. Like a lot of this is new. They got new coaches. They got a new stadium name. It's apparently called the State Farm Arena. <laughs> I, let me ask you this: Are you going to call it the Farm or? Is that is that going to be the nickname or because you can't just call something State Farm that's or State Farm Arena that that don't, I don't know that doesn't roll that doesn't roll off the tongue like <laughs> Phillips used to Phillips was a great name I'm, I'm gonna miss that rest in peace uh, Phillips Arena yeah I think um, the farm but, um, I think the farm will catch on and it'll it'll sound better than Phillips in the long run I think you've been brainwashed by doing it for 20 years Phil there's maybe. nothing intrinsically beautiful about Phillips I think the farm is actually catcher. It's just it's going to take an adjustment. Maybe, maybe. Um, so speaking of the switching one through four, I, I got to talk to Alex Len, and you know there, the two you know the two things that kind of came out of Thursday's press conference that I wanted to talk about with Len is one. You know the the seventy sixers shot a lot of threes last year. Um, they they took threes at a really high rate, and. You know, when Pierce was talking about it, I got a little, you know, I was wondering if maybe they were going to dial it back a little bit because he quoted Melvin Hunt and said, you know, we're going to, we we like the three, but we love the rim, which, of course, is perfectly sensible, but, you know, trying to kind of read between the lines, and I didn't know if, if he was going to like the threes as much as the 76ers liked them last year. And then the other thing is, you know, you mentioned, like we've already come up a couple times, you know, the, the switching one through four. Well, you know, with Alex Len... You know, here's a center. He could be doing what Deadman did last year. Is he going to be shooting threes? And, you know, he's obviously in the one through four. He's the five. And so, you know, the most important pick-and-roll coverage that's really going to matter most is is those one-five pick-and-rolls. And I wanted to know, you know, how he expected to be used as a defender. You know, he's going to be great setting picks, but how is he going to be used in pick-and-roll defense? So, uh, you know, here's what Alex Lund had to say. Are you shooting threes this season? Yes, sir, yeah. I've uh, been shooting a lot of corn threes, uh, a few transition ones, but I think the corn three, I feel really confident and more comfortable shooting the corn three right now. When when Travis spoke last week, he mentioned, you know, one of the reasons they brought you in was to set picks. Yeah. You know, that, that they want to have a, a good screen setter. But on the other side of the ball, you know, what do you think is going to be sort of the preferred method of defending the pick and roll when you're in it is it going to be like a drop coverage or like a hedge and recover uh, so i've been working on like after we met i met with lp he said he just wanted me you to met, work i'm on sorry you met who lp coach oh uh, lp yeah so in the pick and roll he wanted me to start high but then just retreat like work my retreat back to the basket as, as fast as i can so just retreating back and meeting guys at the, at the rim but uh any of those mid-range shots we want guys to take those but the the guard behind is supposed to challenge them. Okay. So that that's, that's the philosophy. So do you get to do you watch like Philadelphia and see how they use like Embiid or something to get a feel for like the no, overall I mean, scheme? It's, or it's, it's pretty basic. It's pretty basic. You just gotta I just gotta work on my uh, foot speed, just you know retreating back and then just jumping and challenging the shot. That, that, that's, that's the important thing. So when you retreat back, do you like? backpedal or do you like pivot your hips and go and then yeah it's more pivot like back kinda, or? it's more kind of like like moving your feet backwards okay because you don't want to give them an angle because once you give an angle they're they going to cross back on, yeah put a shoulder <laughs> on you and then you can't you can't get to the shot so you kind of got to chest them but you got to recruit back uh, awesome thank you very much right, for your time sir you. yes sir So, you know, what do you think about what Len has to say there in terms of, of the Hawks using, you know, a lot of drop coverages for Len? And do you think that they'll do something similar for Deadman or just tweak it a little bit because, you know, Deadman's a much more versatile mobile defender out on the perimeter? I, I hope they go to a, um, you know, a drawback scheme. Uh, it, it, I mean, it just makes natural sense with Alex Len. You know, he's 7'3". Just- right keep or seven whatever he is but keep him around the basket at all times be a deterrent for the rim and you know force guys you know hopefully a perimeter 
players can force guys off the three-point line just having to shoot a bunch of mid-range stuff is like I can live with that result 10 times out of 10. Um, and I hope they do the same with Deadman. You know, it's funny. Last season, you know, I feel like Bud had Deadman playing a bit outside of his comfort zone. Granted, he showed out pretty well, but, you know, the Deadman-Collins lineups, when they, when they were playing together, Collins was really the center on defense. Deadman usually took the power forward. Right. He was usually on the perimeter, and I feel like that was a like that was fine, but that was a bit of a a misuse of you know Deadman's skill set as a basketball player, where he's a great defensive rebounder and he's a great you know he's a good shot blocker. Right. So hopefully, you know they can return. He can you know defensively return to what he was in San Antonio when he was like his last season in San Antonio. He was a monster. Uh, defensively based on his uh, de- defensive RPM and all that good stuff. Uh, last season, he kind of took a step back on that just due to – like, to me, I felt like he was playing two ways. He, he wasn't He wasn't close – he wasn't He wasn't playing at the rim and deterring shots like he was in San Antonio. So, you know, hopefully he can get back going uh, – he can get back to doing, doing, to me, what he does best defensively. And uh, it, I, I feel like – you know, having a big, you know, a, a guy that big, both both Deadman and Lynn, you know, will really help uh, everybody else on the team. So it's just a lot less pressure, um, you know, on the perimeter defenders, and they can just be more athletes. And I think that'll really help John, Torin, and even like whoever the point guard is, uh, either Trey or Jeremy, when they're on the floor, it'll really just It'll just it won't put so much pressure on them to get through the screen. Uh, just get them like you got to run them off the three point line, and then funnel them, funnel them into the to the help defender who's guarding the rim. And once you do that, like you can, you know, you just have more options. And uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully they can. Ho- I think that's what they're going to do, just based on what, how the Sixers played their defense last season. But we won't know until we see it. Uh, uh, come October, whenever the first preseason game is, when is that, October 5th or whatever? I think it's, so, uh, it might be October 1. I think it's a week from tonight. Soon. Nice. That's even better. So, um, well, I'm, I'm interested to see, like, how they approach it when Trey is the point guard. You know, they talk about switching one through four being a trend, but I, I wonder, you know, how much they can switch with Trey Young against some of the bigger players. That's That's something that's interesting. But going back to Len for a minute... I watched those two games that he played with the Ukraine, uh, you know, last week in the World Cup uh, qualifications for the for the for the World Championship next summer, and you know he was outstanding as a role man, like just so much gravity going to the rim, you know, getting attention, and even when the attention was there, he was able to kind of catch with good hands, finish at the rim. If there was too much attention there, he was able to make the pass. But defensively, you know, they did a lot of drop coverage for the Ukraine, and it was it was kind of a struggle in their in their game against Montenegro because they had a, a point guard who could shoot, they had a center who could shoot, they were running pick and pops against Lens drop coverage. And you know what sometimes it was a drop coverage, there were a few times they did sort of hedge and recover, but you know, when when both guys are shooting well, it's it's going to be hard to stop the one five pick and pops in those situations because that's that's that was a real thorn in the side of of uh, of the Ukraine when they played Montenegro and basically why Montenegro won their center just killed them with jump shots. So it's a little thorny, but obviously it's in the big picture scheme of things, it's going to be a lot less important than figure out how they just do it when when Trey Young is in there. Uh, that's I guess that's the wait and see approach. I did find it interest, interesting that Lloyd Pierce uh, complimented Trey Young defensive IQ. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that translates. To me, though, it'll just be a lot of scrambling. So Trey Young, would, if it's one through four, Trey Young would just switch and then scramble right. to some, you know, scramble off the you know main guy probably get to some, you know, jobber offensive guy who's not really that much of a threat sure um, yeah that makes sense so 
Yeah, so and you know, <laughs> uses uses quickness that way. But yeah, we gotta see it until until we see it, we just don't we're just speculating. But um Yeah, you know, that's the downside of the drop back. That said, there are there are not that many basketball players who can really punish you know, a center. Right. And there's other you options. Know, you could play Collins at yeah, the five. Yeah, yeah, and there's you know, yeah, play either play Collins at the five or um you know, do a preemptive switch with that pick. Like, you know, there's just stuff you can do. And with Lynn and Deadman being more seasoned, they can, they can really handle that. Um, you know, you know, their defensive IQ is, you know, and just their knowledge of the game of NBA basketball, they, they have a, a greater understanding of what they need to do as individuals in order to, you know, stop that, you know, easy main pick and pop three pointer from a big, like there, there are things, there are things even drop back bigs can do on that front, you know, really, because even like, even the, like Al Horford, like it really doesn't actually take that much to get out to him and then still be in position to help um, just due to his shot release. And that's, that's how it is with a lot of bigs. Cause you know, they're not the, they're not the Ryan answers. They're not going to catch and fire. Like as soon as they get it, they got a they, sure. there's there's a little hiccup and you know that <laughs> it's easier to it's just easier to close out on the big guy, and so if they can if they can just you know fake you know do a hedge and fake it a little bit, just give the big something to think about. They should be fine on that end. All right, anything you want to add before we close out? Anything about Kevin Herter? Um, hopefully he's uh healthy. Uh, you know. I, I didn't like to, I didn't like to talk about his finger, but you know that might that might just be in his head too, uh, especially if it's his first surgery, um, ligament, you know, for a ligament tear or whatever. So if he's hundred percent and he you know he feels confident, he should be fine. But you know that's something to monitor. Um, but outside of that, nah, just I, I at the end of the day, I just want to see all these guys play because I'm really tired of just speculating in my head what these guys are gonna do based on their talent level. Uh, I I really can't wait to see what they do. Um, I guess October first when they when they play their first game. Uh, something that's really 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 important. The Hawks have five preseason games. What do you predict for their record? <laughs> no comment. Come on now, like what? Come on. No. What do you predict? Zero and five, five and zero. I predict Two that and three. You, they'll you need be playing to give the five. Teams. They'll be playing five preseason games. That's, that's the best you're going to get from me. I don't. <laughs> I don't know about. I don't know about predicting preseason games. Oh Do man. you want me to give you the spreads? Nope. <laughs> I bet. That's, I bet Roland Brad, knows Brad. the preseason spreads. Yeah, oh yeah, he definitely knows it. <laughs> you know. <laughs> All right. I, We're getting loopy. It's when time he has to sign me, off. When he. When he. When he when he ha- when he has me back on, I- I'll I imagine he'll uh, inform me what the spread is. But uh, I'm not a gambler, so. All right, there. Well, thank you, Tyler. We'll do this again soon. Yep. All right. Thank you, sir. No problem. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.